Hey everyone, Kane here. Before we started today's episode, I wanted to introduce our new theme song by The Ellie Badge. If you like the theme song and you want to hear more by The Ellie Badge, you can check them out on their Bandcamp, theelliebadge.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can also find them on Apple Music, Spotify, and pretty much any streaming service you choose. So, without further ado, let's get on to the new theme song and the rest of the episode. Kane Winstead. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Derrigish. And welcome to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, where we'll be taking a look at the deep cuts and forgotten stories of the Spider-Man library, looking for lost gems and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today, we're going to be talking about Web of Spider-Man number 82, Pumping Up, (laughs) written by Kurt Busiak. Pencils by Ron Wilson, inks by Don Hudson, and colors by Bob Sharon. It's a short title, just a little one-parter, so there's not really much to lead up. Uh, It's not part of like a bigger arc. Uh, This comic, I believe this one's from 1991. So just before Spider-Man's whole life gets a lot more uh, complicated. One of the best ways to summarize this comic can be done by simply looking at the cover, which reads as a somewhat mysterious Hulk-like figure towers over Spider-Man's broken body amongst the rubble. I killed Spider-Man! The Vulture! Doc Ock! None of those guys ever could! But I did it! Me! Man Mountain Marco. (laughs) So if you're scratching your head and wondering who is this Man Mountain Marco guy, um, that's fair. I think uh, Dan and Mark actually just covered him very briefly in their most recent as of this recording episode of their podcast with the, the Ramita villains. He actually debuted as a Ramita villain. I think he showed up maybe one or two more times, and then he shows up here. That's right. So he initially was a Spider-Man villain from the Ramita era, part of the Magia, you know, Marvel's mafia, essentially. And there's a couple appearances in that Ramita era, and then he quickly becomes something of a Luke Cage villain, which is pretty fitting, as he's just a strong man for the white man's mafia. And then he appears in this single issue... And then he is not seen or heard of for a decade after. That's right. I think the next his next appearance is in an X-Men anthology uh, story where he gets beat up by Dazzler on an airplane. And then after that, he again 
uh, fades into obscurity only to be uh, only to pop back up in Peter David's latest Spider-Man 2099 where he was a minor antagonist. But that's that's enough about Man Mountain Marco. Um, or is it? <laughs> or is it? Um, let's let's talk about this comic. Uh, Matt, do you want to do you want to throw down a synopsis for this issue? Sure. So what's fascinating to me about this comic in particular by today's standards is you flip open the cover and there's this little bit about our man Marco, who's just upset about the fact that he's been beat up by Spider-Man so many times. He's just training to be bigger, stronger, tougher, because he has to be. He has to be Spider-Man. And then you flip the page once more and Spider-Man is just in the rubble, and we are in the middle of the story. Which quickly um, comes around to the fact that Marco has kidnapped a kid. We'll, we'll touch on that later. And Spider-Man needs to go save him. And to no shock of anyone within a single issue of uh, Web of Spider-Man, that all gets done. But as they say, it's not the destination, it's the journey. So, <laughs> and it's a weird journey. So, like like you said, it starts out kind of in medias res style, um, but we never go back to the beginning. Anyway, um, so it starts out with Spider Man half buried in the rubble, and then Ben Urich just kind of wanders up and it's like, "Hey, Spider Man, you want a cigarette?" And <laughs> which, and like the still woozy Peter Parker just kind of like, no, those will kill you. And then Ben's like, by the way, a kid got kidnapped. Uh, exposition over. And then leaves. Eric <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's it's handled a little bit more gracefully than that. Um, a little is, bit. Yes. A little, a little bit. And there is there is a neat. Uh, way that Busiek does the narration in this instead of just having an omniscient narrator the the narration switches from Eric to Spider-Man to Marco and kind of back and forth you see it occasionally in comic books but I, I felt like it was just particularly well done here it really helped sell this issue as more of like a personal struggle than just another issue of spider-man beating up a guy who can bench press the city bus that is true also just like i've been saying i've been hitting on these page turns we don't need to take you page by page this comic that's not great radio but there's something to this comic that was just something the style at the time that we don't get so much anymore that every page was kind of a story beat and so every page feels like we're getting a chunk of information you can tell by the word count and just how fast things move for that because they don't have time to do the decompressed storytelling they are very much dealing with compressed storytelling and a refreshing to come back to in a way oh definitely uh, i mean i didn't even I, I didn't even think about that like you said each page being a beat but as you were saying that i've got the comic over here i've just been flipping through and you're right like every page is a completely different scene that moves it forward and i think before we started recording you said something like this feels like the fourth it, uh issue in like a five-part series 
today. Like th- today, this would be this comic would be the fourth issue. Um, but instead, it's just it's a one one solid story. So, a, a lot of this issue rests on this kid that's been kidnapped, and he's not so much kidnapped it feels as much as he followed Marco around because the first time we actually see this kid he's in admiration of Marco lifting all these weights he's so strong he can do anything and he's idolizing him and Marco is basically trying to blow him off yeah that's definitely the same feel I got like this wasn't really a kidnapping so much as this kid just kind of followed Marco home one day and the story never really addresses that like and then and then at the end when spider-man beats up marco it seems that he all of a sudden this kid's flipped flipped the script he's like man i love spider-man now i want to follow spider-man around but uh we never really get any more background on that kid but his uh his hero worship of marco does lead to i think one of my favorite scenes in this in this comic which is Marco just furiously watching the news to see the story of him beating up Spider-Man. And then the kid just walks up with a platter stacked like like three stories high of hamburgers. And Marco just starts shoving them in his mouth like a cartoon character. And, like, starts sweating profusely. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. And I love it so much. Um, it's just a weird moment. And <laughs> I gladly, well, did you have... I gladly kidnap you today for a hamburger tomorrow. <laughs> so, um, that, that also kind of, sl- like, in an awful segue brings me to or brings brings us to another another point in this story is that it kind of retcons in marco in an, like into the early spider-man um oeuvre i guess oh yes yes yeah, so so the reason behind marco really really pumping himself up juicing and and getting a some sort of something from the magia to to give him legitimate super strength and super durability is this complex he developed when he was on the street harassing people and tried to pick on a peter parker as he was walking by and mumbling about his aunt may's heart pills and how she was gonna die and peter just kind of like absent-mindedly swats uh marco and humiliates him and then apparently that moment is what drove marco to to crime and to bodybuilding and to becoming super strong and powerful and i think that that's that's why we're really talking about this issue uh because busiak takes the time to weave weave in this this kind of one note character deeper into the spider-man mythos and give him a motivation that's tied to tied to the character um because this this story follows marco much more than it follows spider-man the the arc of the story for this is with man mountain marco rather than spider-man trying to find this kidnapped kid 
What's also forgettable almost, but becomes part of the climax, is that during this entire issue, Spider-Man has a cold. And so he's under the weather, and he's fighting to keep his energy up and get this done. Mary Jane says, you know, take a nap. Someone else can deal with this, because this isn't the biggest issue. This is very much a street-level thing. Like, it's a crime, but for a Spider-Man comic, it's a dime a dozen. And, you know, of course, Spider-Man presses through. How do you feel about that? Like, this is this is a, a plot point that gets used all the time as spider-man's got the flu i mean it even shows up i think in i think it showed up in marvel knights i think they mentioned like wow spider-man went down really easy he's got to have the flu or something so my take on that is that it's a nice way to maybe drum up spider-man's not at his peak it is maybe a bit overused i also feel like you know this guy technically has radioactive blood the fact that he's getting sick all the time isn't that much of a stretch Maybe that's something that, like, that, that, that sounds like a, um, what's his name? Uh, the crazy bald guy with the magic. Um, I, I, <laughs> what a terrible time for you to take a sip of water. <laughs> Grant Morrison. It sounds like a Grant Morrison, like, Spider-Man plot where, like, <laughs> turns out Spider-Man has, like a, like, a horrible immune system because of the radioactive, uh, radioactivity in his blood. And then he has to battle the living embodiment of cancer to get over it. Oh, God. Uh, as long as not all of his fluids are radioactive. <laughs> well, Spider-Man Rain. We'll get there one day. <laughs> oh, what a great comic. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just picking a fight now. <laughs> so this comic comes to a head very quickly when Spider-Man locks in on where the kid is. Partially through the discovery of effectively superroids. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. So Man Mountain, who was otherwise, you know, a beefy comic book man, which is already impossible, becomes the, the he has the physique of the Hulk, just, you know, whitey, not green. Yeah, definitely. Like, especially in his kind of like intro scene into the fight where he busts through the wall kool-aid man style like it looks like they like it looks like the the penciler might have even used a hulk uh, image as as reference i mean he even has the purple pants they're just but they're not torn <laughs> i was about to say they're slacks not uh oh. not not shorts but uh there you go um right and so what this fight comes down to is spider-man's wailing on him and marco feel is essentially saying i don't feel anything you wimpy little spider-man and spider what was that accent <laughs> he's russian now it's okay uh and spider-man gets knocked around but it starts just wailing on him you know death by thunder thousand cuts just a lot of little hits coming in which is a boxing strategy they just don't really play that up because this happens literally in the last two pages of the comic and basically spider-man just whittles him down and then the last punch with everything he can muster through this cold is the last punch that knocks marco down at which point the kid is so enamored with spider-man oh he's the coolest he's the strongest he's the fastest and that's the newest 
iteration of what this kid is admiring is the speed in the fight, which means he's at least learning basic technique, I guess. But this kid didn't learn anything. Like, the moral of the story is might makes right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of... Well, the moral of the story is don't do drugs. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, it, there's, there's, like I said at the beginning, there's a very strong, like, no, Ben, cigarettes will kill you. And then uh, when Spider-Man finds the the steroids, there there's another, like, now kids remember don't do drugs kind of beats which eh, you know it was it was the early 90s uh you know people were telling people not to do drugs all the time that's that's all i remember from you know my my childhood was anti-drug psas all hey hey before every ninja turtle tape i watched there was the same anti-drug psa of like this this guy going up to some grade schooler like hey kid wants a free drugs which really really like i just assumed that once the three o'clock bell rang at school like schools just became like an opium den like just nothing but sin and vice <laughs> drugs raining like mana from heaven um but i'm, I'm getting off um Where off topic to school now. Again? <laughs> alabama so um, <laughs> we're strongly anti-drug here at untold talks of spider-man um unless you need them for medical reasons there we go there we go i don't know we've we've kind of run through this story like at the end of the day there's there's it's it's one issue there's not a lot to talk about um especially because it's it's not it's not part of a like a, a larger larger arc like there there's no there's no c plot there's no b plot all of it is just this this you know well i guess there is a b plot of trying to find this spider-man trying to find this kidnapped kid right and in that spirit there's no need for us to plot along uh did you have any personal ties to this issue did you read it uh before we did for this podcast today um i don't have any personal ties to this one uh you know not to tell people how we do things and take away the mystery but Matt and I compiled like a large master list basically of issues we wanted to talk about. And I went through the long boxes at my comic book shop looking for ones. And this is, uh, this one kind of stood out to me one, because it was a single issue and two, the cover is really distinctive. I mean, you've got Spider-Man laying flat out on his back, Marco looking very Hulk like, and it's just, it's a very dynamic cover. And I went home and I actually like read it immediately, even before we had plans to talk about this one. I think this was back right after we recorded the intro episode, maybe. So many moons ago. So many moons ago. You know, all those two issues or two episodes ago. <laughs> um,. So I, I don't have any like personal ties to it per se, but it did jump out at me. And after reading it, yeah, I wanted to almost immediately talk about the uh, talk about it on the show. How about you? Do, do you have any personal ties to this one since it was your suggestion? Yes, very much so. So this was among the first comics I ever owned. And it came in a pack from Toys R Us of random assorted comics. But this was also one of the comics I learned to read on. And so 
I remember distinctly, partially due to a bit of a smudge on the cover, my impression was that it wasn't Man Mountain Marco. It was Man, Man Mountain Mariko. So I always oh. thought he had a little uh, flair to him, <laughs> which added a dimension to this comic that, I mean, I didn't read it for years, but I remembered the story because I had to have read this probably about 100 times when I was much younger, but with limited reading ability. And so I always thought he was, you know, a little Hispanic. And then, like, later, like, I injected this whole, like, well, they're kind of talking about the drug problem with this. No, no, completely wrong reading. But it is so much more fun to say Man Mountain Barrico than Man Mountain Marco. And I feel like that's a huge misstep, even though it's just some dumb misreading from some kid who couldn't really read. Yeah, I mean, it's a cute story. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, sorry, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean for that to sound so dismissive. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. He's going to, like, telling this beloved childhood memory, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Since we are looking at these comics to kind of see what they say about the like greater Spider-Man mythos, what do you think? Like, how, where do you think that one fits in? Like, how how does this fit in the puzzle that is Spider-Man? So, I think the two most Spider-Man notes in this book were two that you brought up. the The first one being that you know there's the cold that's a bit overplayed, but it is keeping spider-man at a certain level it's making the street level character that's even less so than like the shocker or the scorpion or what have you become a bit more of a threat because spider-man's punching a bit under his weight so it keeps the the tension a little higher even if there's not much tension to be had also that flashback that idea that peter parker inadvertently somewhat acted a bit irresponsibly coming back to bite him on the butt feels very apropos of a spider-man comic oh yeah oh yeah definitely like the i accidentally created a supervillain, and and i don't know it he doesn't know it like the only person who knows it is the reader and it, it's it's a great bit of dramatic irony that always that i mean that, that's what sold amazing fantasy 15 is, is the dramatic irony of you know uh, you're the you're the burglar that i could have stopped like um so very very indicative of of spider-man two notes uh, like on that mm. um yeah first of all yes though basic fantasy 15 i just want to note stronger issue uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but also in this bit where peter is somewhat the villain of the moment he's wearing purple pants oh I see. We like I, I, this is this is something we can we can dig into, uh, you know. Uh, I'm challenging all of our readers to go out there and find villains with purple pants, and we're gonna we're gonna hashtag that uh, purple pants conspiracy. Oh, not purple pants party. Uh, that's something else. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, we're gonna bring this to light. Uh, we're gonna we're you know this is. This is a better conspiracy than whatever Miller cooked up for Marvel Knights. Uh, if you haven't listened to that issue, or if you have not listened to that episode uh, and have no idea what I'm talking about, go listen now. 
Uh, <laughs> that's that's my self plug for the episode. Uh, <laughs> for the podcast you're currently listening to, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, going back to the point, uh, I, I feel like this is this is like a like tried and true formula for Spider Man. Like uh, the the stakes are very much at a personal street level like uh new york's not in trouble no one's building is exploding you know the 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 problems are very pedestrian and it's it's just the the, those little personal touches that that make spider-man the everyman i mean so many people when you say that so many people are like oh he's he he was married to a supermodel and you know he can you know, lift lift uh, the Daily Bugle over his head that one time. Um, you know, how can he be an everyman? And it, it's stuff like this. It's it's it, the, his issues and and the conflicts he faces are things that normal people can face. And I I, I feel like that that's that's where I, that that's why I think this is just a solid issue that's indicative of what a spider-man story is that's awesome okay in light of that beautiful bit you just said uh do you think this issue is worth remembering or should it remain untold i would say this one's worth remembering whether or not this is something you want to like go out and find yourself that that's that's more up to you because we've already broken it down. Like there are no big surprises. There are no big moments in this, but if you, if you're looking for just like a really fun, self-contained story and that's what you like in your comic books, this is an excellent example of that. I'd also add very likely next time you're at a comic convention or at your store or whatnot, this is something you're likely to see in a quarter bin somewhere or something like that. Like this is very much a, just a forgotten random issue of Spider-Man and you know, it's a fun read. I mean, it's worth a quarter just to see Marco sweating buckets while shoveling hamburgers in his mouth and like elbowing the kid, like get out of the way. They're about to talk to me on the news. (laughs) I don't know what it was about that scene that just tickled my funny bones so much. Oh, but. it got me too. It's amazing. <laughs> it's web of even. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Um, Matt, why don't why don't you give us a letter grade on this one? Ooh, I'm gonna go B plus. That's what I was also gonna go with B plus. Just it's a solid story. Like nothing to like really wow you, but like it's a good story. It's fun. I keep using that word, but it's a fun story. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's it for Web of Spider-Man number 82, Pumping Up. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us via iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, or you can even subscribe directly via our RSS feed. If you really enjoy the show, feel free to give us a review on the platform of your choice as it helps us to grow. If you hated the show, uh, feel free to not leave a review. Just just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, if you really, really enjoyed the show, then we would love it if you guys could, would consider becoming a Patreon of the amazing Spider Talk Patreon. Uh, for $3.99 a month, you get exclusive access to Matt's and mine. Um, 
Spider-Man B-Title Reviews, where Matt and I will discuss what has been going on in Spider-Man Deadpool, Spider-Man, or Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, uh, any other title that Marvel decides to throw out, we'll, we'll end up covering. Uh, and that's just $3.99 a month. You will also get Dan and Mark's reviews of Amazing Spider-Man from the Amazing Spider-Talk. So you're really, you're really supporting two shows with one Patreon. If you want even more bang for your buck, you can pledge $10 a month and join the Excelsior Club. And not only will you get all of the bonuses I previously mentioned, but you will also receive two pieces of commissioned artwork from Spider-Man artists per year. And that's, that's worth its weight in gold. Matt, where can we find you on the internet? You can, of course, find me on the Amazing Spider Slack, which you can find through the Amazing Spider Talk website and talk with us about any spider or comic related issue that your heart is dying to get out onto the internet. And you can, of course, always find me on Twitter, which is all roads to everything me at magical matt for two and you can find me on twitter as well uh under the handle at kane writes w-r-i-t-e-s uh you'll also find me on the slack channel which i will have a link to in the show notes so you can find it easily there where you can talk with all of us like matt said uh you can also follow the show on twitter our handle there is Untold Talks SPMN because you can't fit Spider Man in there. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook under Untold Talks of Spider Man or email the show at untold, untold Talks of Spider Man at gmail.com. Just remember there's no hyphen in there. Again, formatting rules. I think that just about does it for today's episode. Uh, so Matt, why don't do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next episode? Why, yes. Next time we're going to be talking about the infamous original graphic novel, Family Business. So for those who have been reading Spectacular Spider-Man and are wondering where this Teresa Parker character comes from, it's that. Uh... We decided we wanted to talk about this one, even though it is somewhat recent. We wanted to talk about it while Teresa was still relevant, because uh, Matt and I both kind of feel like she's on her way out in this. We might be wrong, uh, but anyway, uh, that's that's what you got to look forward to. Um, that's what we'll be covering next. So, until Spider-Man's child ward feeds him a platter of hamburgers, make mine untold. Until Man Mountain Mariko is in a production of Black Swan, make mine untold. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one too. <laughs> oh, 